Two days ago, I saw a vehicle that had hauled that tanker. You want to get out of here? You talk to me. Max Minute, where we're partners, partners that watch Mad Max to the Road Warrior one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 47, which begins with dust and smoke billowing from the Mac as it roars to life. And it ends with Max stopping for a moment to check his shotgun. Our first shot today is actually kind of triumphant because we go from the rolling attempts to get the truck started from yesterday and today we just get this big old cloud of smoke pouring out from underneath the truck and out of the exhaust pipes smoke and dust and the truck is alive it's really cool it is i'm surprised that it started up so fast i think that's just something that the storytelling needed i think in real life it would have been more of a challenge to get the truck started but we don't have time to dwell on it it just needs to start so we can move on with the story plus we didn't actually see the entire time that they were there with that truck we kind of popped in from a black screen so some time could have passed max could have dug around underneath the hood it's also plausible that the gyro captain being the gyro captain has mechanical experience Mm -hmm. very possible so he could have been helpful with getting that started as well which might explain why the captain is so happy when the rig starts yeah he is moving and shaking and waving and dancing around i feel like the gyro captain just likes dancing i think so too yeah i think he (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he just likes flinging his limbs around. He's that type of person. I think Guardians of the Galaxy, Drax the Destroyer, said there are two types of people in this galaxy, those who dance and those who do not. Yes, we have, in this scene, perfect example, we have someone who dances and someone who does not. <laughs> I like that comparison. This minute, I think, is very telling about the captain throughout the minute. He is still in shackles at this point. Oh yeah, he's still very much a prisoner. We saw at the very end of yesterday's minute, beginning of this minute, He's Max's cheerleader in this (laughs) mission to get the rig started. He is fully wrapped up and devoted to this endeavor. He is 100% on board with everything that Max is doing. And it's strange because I know we touched on this yesterday, but I feel like the point bears repeating. He's been Max's prisoner for the last two, three days. He has not been a partner or a friend or an invited guest or a willing participant. He has been chained like an animal for days by this guy. I think that he is an optimist in the extreme. Like he always sees the positive in people despite what they do. Yes, in his situation, despite his circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's in shackles, and he's been pressed into servitude for the last three days, but by golly, his gyro got Max to the rig, and the rig has started. Those are really great things that have happened that he was able to participate in. And I do feel like the gyro captain is able to make fast friends, that he's the friendly sort of individual that will latch on to others because he likes being around other people. He's not yes. alone. Which must make this lifestyle tough 
for him. A nomad without, that we know of, a tribe of some kind. His people. He starts off this movie very lonely, which I think by the end of this movie, you know, he has a family net. Right. He literally finds a tribe. Yeah. Which is nice. That is nice. It's probably one of the motivations behind the snakes, which I think we touched on in a previous minute, talking to the snakes. Yeah. He's not afraid to eat them if they die. He is not above that. Good source of protein. Plus, he's got a recipe so i mean how can you pass that up yeah but they are his companions yeah he talks to them because it's less weird to talk to an animal than it is to talk to yourself which i think is a gross stereotype (laughs) and terrible because i like talking to myself so i kind of have a horse in that race one thing that stood out to me as the truck starts up is the sheer amount of dust and dirt that flies out of that engine and it makes me wonder how long that mac has been sitting on a Obviously, long enough for the previous owner to bloat and start to decay, mm-hmm. and plus a couple extra days. You get the sense that, that truck has not moved in a long time and kind of draw the conclusion that Max is just really lucky. He does have his very own luck dragon. In the shape of the gyrocopter? Yes. Yeah. The more we see that gyrocopter in these shots, it started last Friday, it continued on yesterday and today, that decal on the back fin <laughs> of that centerfold model, she is just so clear on the Blu-ray. <laughs> When you watch it on the VHS or the DVD, it's a bit more blurry, but I sit there and I watch these minutes and I look over at that gyrocopter and I'm like, oh yeah, that is 100% a naked lady right out there. I'm willing to bet that that naked lady is another companion of sorts for the captain. It's somebody that he can talk to and, oh, what is it when you give inanimate objects human characteristics? a term that i can't think of attributing human characteristics to inanimate objects is called anthropomorphism yes that was the word i was thinking of thank you so he has anthropomorphized this decal that he's got on his tail because he's a companionable guy he needs people around he's got snakes he's got naked ladies we know he likes ladies so he does long for the days of clean women and lingerie although There's no lingerie on that decal. No. The idea of him slapping a picture on a lady and then having that be his sounding board companion, what, it makes me think of those obnoxious body pillows with the characters printed on them. (laughs) Yes. His gyrocopter is his waifu. No, but I (laughs) don't see it. It's his waifu pillow. I don't see it like that. <laughs> he like cuddles up to it, strokes the tail no, tail rudder. No, no, no. Gyrocopter, no, no. you're my only friend. No. <laughs> wow, you took that in a direction that I did not intend. Hey, you know, you started talking about the gyrocopter being a companion and I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll roll with it. <sighs> okay. Max moves to close the door of the truck. Yep. The truck has started. He is moving on with his plan, not thinking, once again, not thinking about leaving behind the captain. He's already done this, this exact thing. Up on the lookout, he just got in his car and drove away without considering what the captain was going to do. But this time, the captain was close enough to grab onto the door and keep him from closing it before he drove away. He is a situation of fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I love this because we get a return of this thing that Bruce Spence does. He goes, hey, hey, and it's back from... 
I think it was like minute 13 or something like that. Whatever whatever minute it was when Max turned off the booby trap and then the gyro captain ran in front of him before he got pounced on by dog. I, I don't remember the exact minute that it happened in, but I just love that Bruce Spence does it again because it's it's a Spencey thing to do. Why use one word when you can use 10 and trail off? Exactly. Because he loves to talk. He's pleading with Max. He says, what about me? You're not going to leave me here, are you? And Max looks down at him and he's sitting up in the truck and he considers it for a moment, reaches into his pocket and pulls out a set of keys and just tosses the keys. I wouldn't say so much to the captain, more like at the captain. At the captain. And he says, do what you want. Just shuts the door, (laughs) drops away. I think this little interaction really says a lot about what Max thinks of the gyro captain. Mm -hmm. Maybe not the gyro captain specifically, what he thinks about other people, which is not highly. At no point has he cared about the gyro captain at all. He's done with him now. He no longer needs his service and he still doesn't care. He's very quick to cast him off. Giving him the ability to free himself was an afterthought. Yeah. and oh, Which does not speak well of Max at all. Oh, but the gyro captain is so happy to get those keys thrown at him. He is, but he's still... But that's not what he wanted. Yes, no. Yes, he wants the shackles removed. But he, that's not what he wants I think in he this did want scene. To go he wanted him. to go in the truck. But there wasn't really any room for him because we don't see it until tomorrow, but Dog is in the truck in the passenger seat, so there's no room for the gyro captain. I think Dog is on the floor. Yeah. The passenger floor. He's taking up that space. That is Dog's space. Captain is used to sharing space with the dog, and he's made it work before. He could make it work now. (laughs) I don't think Max would want him to. No, (laughs) because Dog is a priority for Max above other human beings. Exactly. This scene with the disappointment of the captain, that he doesn't get to continue the adventure. Reminds me of a lot of stories where an adventure is being told. In the beginning of the adventure, you gather the group who is going on the adventure in whatever way. We've done that. We've gathered the group. We've got Max, we've got the captain, and we've got Dog. That is the group that is going on an adventure. And from the point of view of the captain, they are a team. They are partners. Like he says at the end of the minute, they are partners. And to be all of a sudden excluded from the adventure, that hurts. You know what this reminds me of? What? At the end of The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, the movie. Uh Uh-huh. Frodo decides that he is going to go off on his own and bring the ring to Mordor. And Sam chases Frodo down. They do that thing where he's slogging through the water. Yeah. And Frodo's like, Sam, you can't swim. And he's like, I don't care. I'm your Huckleberry. And, you know, getting (laughs) after him. There's a different result in Lord of the Rings because... Frodo actually wants Sam around in the end, but there's that idea that one character is like, okay, we've come this far as a group, now I'm going to go off on my own and do the adventure my way, and the other character says, I don't want I don't want that to happen. <laughs> I want to stay. I don't want to b- split up the party, because it would be a terror for the DM to have to run two campaigns at once. <laughs> it reminds me of a, a sad memory that I have. I'm a second child with a sister who's not that much older than me. She's only 20 months older than me. Now, Rick, you're in the opposite situation. You're the older of two brothers, a little further apart. So you would play the role of my sister in this story. So you just remember that. Okay. Back when, it's probably only seven or eight, we were outside playing in the neighborhood and one of the neighborhood families, I 
think they were twins. They were my sister's age, maybe a little bit older than my sister, were playing inside their family's little trailer camper. And they locked me out. My sister Aww. my sister got to go inside and play with them. Yeah. And so did a bunch of other kids from the neighborhood. But I got locked out and I wasn't allowed inside because I was a little sister and I was annoying. So I didn't get to play in the cool camper. And being excluded from that adventure, that it really hurt my feelings. Like, I still remember that experience. You have a look on your face that maybe you're wondering if you've ever done something similar to your brother. No. No, there is a story that... <laughs> That my brother likes to lord over me, where I almost took his eye out. <laughs> um, I think it was Thanksgiving or some sort of family gathering, and we were playing with the neighbor kids, and obviously he was the younger brother, and we didn't want him around, and so I grabbed this giant branch, and I was shaking it in his general direction. Well, the branch was a little longer than I expected, and one tip of the branch, as it was swinging down at great velocity, because very long branch, very short motion, and it amplifies over a long distance, it came right down down the middle of his forehead and gave him a big old cut right between his eyes. That cut, because it was on his face, started bleeding. A lot. A lot. So he had blood streaming down his face <laughs> and he was like under 10 years old. So he goes running back home to mom and oh, I got in so much trouble. He still has that scar between his eyebrows today and he doesn't let me forget it. And I don't deserve to forget it because, yeah, I almost <laughs> took his eye out. And it was a terrible Big Brother thing to do. 100%. I'll own it. I'm not saying that your experience is less because of my experience. Because mine didn't involve blood. I'm just glad that your sister didn't, you know, almost pluck one of your eyes out with a branch. <laughs> I don't think we ever, like, physically. I think it's the difference between boys and girls. We never physically hurt each other. Yeah. We just hurt each other's feelings. I think this is definitely a feelings situation between yes. Max and the gyro yes, captain. Yes, it is. And Max, he isn't like that. He doesn't read feelings. He's not a feelings sort of guy. Which pulls over from the first movie where he went on for a few minutes and we went on for even longer than a few minutes mm -hmm. about how he's not a feelings kind of guy. Yeah. Like if Max tried to tell the gyro captain, hey, I don't want to be friends with you, it would probably take him a long time. He'd probably never get to his point and he'd probably get distracted telling stories about his father. <laughs> And the gyro captain would have to kiss him to shut him up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. You you went there. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> Is that payback for the waifu comment? Absolutely. Okay. We're even now. I suppose. If someone's keeping score, we're even now. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along, Max is driving away in the Mack truck. We can see through the back window as he's driving away that the buggy from the beginning chase is still lodged underneath that trailer. And as the truck starts driving down the road, we can still see that the Landau is upside down and sitting in that road there. The way that the gyro captain walks after the truck shouting it's a little sad it is he's getting left behind yeah and it's it's an emotional reaction the gyro captain can't reasonably expect max to hear his cries of partnership and respond to it so he's just doing this for himself and it is kind of a disappointing end to their current involvement which is evidenced by tomorrow's minute that we'll talk about tomorrow this is not the end of Max and the gyro captain as much as Max probably thinks that it is. And he is going to be proven very wrong, just like he said, in tomorrow's minute. Oh, I just want to bring something up real quick. Since we're back at the scene, the first time we were at this scene, 
We had some conversation about the kangaroo. It was on our listeners page, and I don't recall who brought it up. One of our listeners mentioned that the kangaroo was a hunting prize that flew off one of the other cars that were in that wreck. Really? Yeah. That flew off either the Landau or the buggy. Oh. Yeah. That they were out on a hunting expedition. Max ran afoul of them for whatever reason, and that's where the kangaroo came from. Okay. Which would solve the problem of we, I particularly had an issue with why would somebody leave a perfectly good large amount of meat. So when the Landau hit the buggy and the buggy crashed into the trailer or spun or whatever, the kangaroo flew flew off off the buggy. Okay. Yeah. I'd be willing to go with that. Yes. That's not too far-fetched in my book. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. Moving on from where the Mac was initially found, we get a shot of Max driving the Mac along a stretch of dirt road. And I'm assuming that this is supposed to be the same dirt road that Max and the gyro captain drove down. And this one I did look up back in episode 13, when the gyro captain was chained up in the backseat and they were driving from the riverbed to the camp. I'm pretty sure this is supposed to be that same road because it's the same angle, same perspective. Granted, it's a different vehicle and the scenery doesn't look exactly the same because they shot everything in sequence. So they shot the scene with the black on black driving by they went off did a bunch of other stuff and then got to this point in production and drove the mac past the camera again that's right they did shoot everything in sequence Mm -hmm. so instead of setting up the camera once does not make any sense to me i love the idea of shooting in sequence because thinking about the logistics of shooting a movie out of order is a little bit mind-boggling to me. I just don't think that way. I think linearly, trying to do things out of order just wah. So I like the idea of shooting in, in sequence, but for example, the wreck scene that we were just at with the rig and the couple of cars and all that kind of stuff, that had to sit there for however long they went off and shot other stuff, and then yeah. they came back to that with nothing having, having moved. That just... Doesn't seem reasonable or responsible. It doesn't really. It doesn't really. And when we were watching the behind the scenes stuff, George Miller said that it wasn't the most practical, but it was the best way that he knew to make it make sense. Because with the way that he was writing that thing, coming back with new storyboards Mm -hmm. nearly every day, like if he didn't shoot it in sequence, he could get a bunch of footage, change his mind about something, and then suddenly it's useless. Is a very tricky way of doing it, very risky way of doing it. At least they were able to get the same angle, same perspective right. of the truck driving by. So truck drives along that dirt road, and then we see it come to a stop. You can see off to the right side of this shot where the truck stops, a couple of peaks, and I'm pretty sure those are the pinnacles. So this is Max's last chance to really get ready for what lies ahead before he starts making a run on the raider camps that he knows are surrounding the compound. And he checks his gun. At first, I thought that was an odd move. I mean, he has one shell. He knows he has one shell. It's not like it's suddenly going to turn into two. Right. He didn't shoot it, so he knows it's still there. So why is he checking his gun? Then I had a question. Shotguns, one barrel shoots, always shoots first, and one barrel always shoots second. Mm -hmm. So I think that he was double checking to make sure that he put the shell in the correct barrel. Yep. Because you remember when uh, Dog had that string tied around the trigger, there were actually two triggers. You pull one trigger in, it fires the first barrel, and then as you're pulling in the first trigger, the second trigger gets pulled as well, kind of one after the other, and that fires the second barrel. Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. 
Well, no, he it there is still one barrel that fires first. Yeah, if you do a half pull, you can just trigger that, that first, first barrel. One. But and if, if you, you do a full pull, it'll trigger both. Even if the one shell was in the second firing barrel, he would still only have to pull the trigger once. He would just have to pull it further back. Exactly. He well, wanted to make really sure that matter. that shell was in the first slot. That way, it would be faster. If he didn't get a full pull off, like if it jostled or something like that, okay, he'd still be able to get that shot off. Okay, if you have the ability to make sure that your one shell is in the first barrel, then you make sure your one shell is in the first barrel. There is more to this particular shot, but we're going to get into it tomorrow because yeah. the entire first nine seconds of minute forty-eight are this shot of Max with his gun. We've still got some time, though, and we haven't checked in with the screenplay lately. Let me do that. The gyro captain saying, cool, cool, cool. That was an addition. That's not in the the screenplay that we have. It also has much more of a description of the arrangement of the gyrocopter. Oh, really? Yes. Here's what it says. One jerry can lies discarded by the gyrocopter. Max, with the dog on his lap, is settled in on the chassis, the three remaining cans strapped on beside him. The gyro, unaccustomed to the extra weight, lumbers across the sand and slowly rises into the sky. Ah. It does kind of speak to your concern that the copter had a really hard time with the extra weight. It does refute my my hypothesis about the cans. They took all three cans hands with them huh okay they are at the rig the hood of the rig is open and max is working on the engine gyro captain's chain Mm -hmm. passes from max's position into the cab where the captain is sitting behind the wheel okay and max yanks on the chain to give a signal to the captain to try turning the motor over (laughs) so in the screenplay, there actually is a repair scene. Yes. Where Max is digging around in there. Okay. I like that he's got a pull mechanism. Yes. To make the gyro captain test the motor. That's that's good. So I'm looking at my copy of the screenplay, which is the same as yours. It's just digital, not printed out. Okay. In the screenplay, the gyro captain is outside the cab of the truck it's ready to move and the gyro captain says you can't just dump me think of us as partners and it's and that is what makes max toss him the set of keys max actually says more than just do what you want he says it's up to you fly a kite or follow me back maybe they'll throw some gas your way which is very different yeah so max does invite him on the adventure Mm -hmm. i'm confused as to how the gyro captain got out of the truck because he is inside the truck Mm, let me find it max probably just kicked him out when he got the truck moving captain is sitting behind the wheel uh he tests the motor nothing happens two more attempts it sputters to life ah okay because the scene dissolves it comes back it's later that same day so time has passed which is why the captain is no longer inside the cab of the truck okay Hmm. So I've got to wonder if Max's extended line of it's up to you, fly a kite, or follow me back, if that had been included in the movie, would it have changed the scene? Because I feel like it would have. I think it would have dramatically. First of all, Max never talks that much. No, not really. I think the only time he's said more than like two lines is when he was cutting a deal with Compound. And that's we're halfway through the movie, and that was the most he's ever spoken. I like how the idea of following Max back to the Compound was the gyro captain's idea. That it wasn't him acting on an invitation. 
I like what that says about his personality. Yeah. That he is inviting himself. He is taking the initiative. He wants to be on this adventure, whether Max wants him there or not. Mm -hmm. He is going. He has the means, and he's doing it. It's more self-assertive. Yeah. Which we haven't really seen from the captain in the movie thus far. However, this is the first time that we're seeing him make a decision unshackled. Yes, yes it is. Now that he's got his freedom again, he can act as a free agent. This is what he's deciding to do. He's going to follow Max back to the compound and hopefully get some gas in the process. In the meantime, we are going to continue following Max on his journey in the Mac back to the compound. We're going to catch up with him in the cab tomorrow. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy and presented by Warner Brothers Pictures in association with Village Roadshow Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. You can follow Mad Max Minute on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, and at MadMaxMinute.com. And finally, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, click on the support link at the top of the page, and check out our Patreon to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 40 of the Road Warrior. See you tomorrow.